there, welcome. You're listening to Wholehearted, a soul sister conversation. You are here with healer and intuitive Donna Lee Wynan, life coach Prue Solisic, and myself, women's empowerment artist Tanya Marie Reeves. Together we are navigating life on purpose, pushing boundaries imperfectly and unstoppable. We are here to inspire and encourage you to live fully into your own life, to be the compassionate observer of your own thoughts and feelings, and to make a conscious choice to change what is in your power to change. We are so happy to have you here. Hello, welcome to Wholehearted. Good morning. Morning. We have a beautiful guest for you today on this episode, and it is a lady by the names of Julie Humphreys. So welcome, Julie. Thank you, ladies, for having me so much. Yeah, it's going to be a pleasure talking to you today. We can't wait. You've got a great topic that you're bringing to the table and we can't wait to dive into it. Uh, Before we do that, I'm just going to read out your bio so people know a little bit more about you and then we will get into some questions. Julie is a life coach and natural products creator at Twigs and Moss, workshop and program host writer, homeschooling mama and a self-sufficient permaculture farmer at Blue Marble Farm on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. Wow. Julie has had an adventurous life of challenges and breakthroughs from becoming a teen mum, fleeing domestic violence, health issues, to owning a multi-award winning day spa. But she felt the calling for something more aligned with her values of family, health, freedom, happiness, and an earth-connected life. So Julie and her wonderful husband and kids up sticks and headed on their journey into self-sufficiency and the world of alternative farming environment and reviving old skills. There's wins and losses, support and reflection, finding new knowledge and skills, and generally living with the gratitude for the journey that has led her where she is now. The power of women supporting women is seemingly small ways has changed her career, direction, saved her life, and allowed her to give back. What a beautiful bio. Right, Donna Lee, where are we going to go with this? So, so many ways we can go. I think (laughs) you should have your own podcast, Julie. (laughs) got a lot a lot of stuff there we could talk about <laughs> I reckon that's a great idea Julie something yeah. to be thinking about well I have been inspired by this woman since I joined the rural women network um, two years ago I've met some incredible people and Julie is one of those women and I really felt that she would be an asset to our podcast um, she has a diversity of life skills businesses knowledge wisdom, But the reason that she's here today is because her topic is when women support women, the world changes. And so we're excited to hear her view on that and why she believes women supporting women is world changing. Welcome, Julie Humphreys. Welcome. Thank you. I'd love to say thank you, Prue, Tanya and Donnelly, number one, for creating such a beautiful podcast that is all around helping to support women and it's by women and that's massive that is a beautiful space to have and we need so much more of it so yes thank you thank you for giving space for women thank Thank you so so I guess my life story is a bit different (laughs) um so I I grew up on a farm on the mid-north coast and being a girl I was not allowed to be involved in the hard farm work which you know that's how life goes in that era. And I found myself at 16 being pregnant and at school. And, you know, my brain kind of didn't go to anywhere that I wasn't going to keep going to school. So um, in my head, I was just going back to school. Didn't really understand the full scope of the potential problems that that would create at a school. I just kept going. Mm-hmm. L- luckily for me, at the time, there was a female principal there. And she and I had a female year advisor and they were incredible women who probably to this day do not know the impact they made on me and my life. They actually changed the school's policies. They changed the insurances that the school had to help support me to actually stay at school. So in my, yeah, like incredible that they put themselves through that. Mm. Um, This was in, I want to say this was in 1993. Not early yeah. 90s, yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, early 90s. So that that's really big as well. Yeah, thanks, Donnelly. That's, yeah, it, it is incredibly important because even today it's really difficult, number one, for girls to feel like they can still stay but actually have a space for intellectual learning, not just a space of, well, yeah, you can still bring a baby in. You can mm-hmm. still stay here to go through that. But I was, I've always loved learning and I really wanted my HSC. Yeah, so that was that was enormous to have that support. And so just those couple little things that they, those women did and what that meant for me in my life and my ability to continue accessing education was enormous. And then, yeah, I stayed until two weeks before I had the baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, my entire history class were walked up to the hospital the day after I had the baby, oh. um, which is great. You know, 30 something kids all coming into the room to, to meet the baby <laughs> and, and support me. And um, I think about 15 years later, I, I bumped into that teacher who's also my year advisor. And she said, I just remember walking in that hospital with all these kids. And here you are with the baby in the crib next to you and you're doing an assessment task. (laughs) Yes, I was. (laughs) Um, So my love for that um, and my appreciation to those women because it it is a low socioeconomic area and Mm -hmm. teen pregnancies are not unusual. Like they're not overly common, but they're not unusual either. And just Mm -hmm. to have, I was the first girl to stay at school being pregnant Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was also, I didn't at the time think that that was massive, but um, years later hearing people say, oh, I heard about you and my friend stayed. And you think, you know, just that tiny little thing that you've done makes it easier for somebody else. That's right. Someone's got to forge the path. And not only that, I want to add that you didn't actually just have one pregnancy. You were doing your HSC set with your second baby. Yes. So I actually moved towns and um, it was very interesting to be in a different town with a different demographic. And the principal was male, lovely fellow, um, but he had to go to the PNC and get permission for me to be allowed to attend a public school because I had a baby. So I had to wait for permission to come back that I could attend, that I wasn't going to be a bad influence on the other children at the school. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, interesting perceptions, but that, that's okay. It, it was, you know, at the end of the day, it was a good experience for them. Mm. So I I went to this, they rang me and said, congratulations, we've got an approval, you can come to the school. I said, great, I've got news for you, I'm pregnant again. So, <laughs> so then they had to go back to the school, um, PNC, and get permission again to have me there whilst pregnant. Mm. So, um, so they, I got that permission. And the interestingly, they'd had a meeting with the entire year that I was going into and told them that somebody was coming who had a baby and was pregnant. I wasn't the only one to start that day. There was about four women. So hilariously, nobody thought it was me. I was teeny tiny. I was the same age as them. Yeah. And it wasn't until the last sort of month that I really popped out and then people understood, oh, it's truly interesting. <laughs> um, so I sat my HSC. Uh, it was the first year in 1995 where they switched your your HSC, your, you kind of went in, it was an earlier period that you did your assessments. Mm-hmm. And so I think I did, it used to be called midterm. So I did that um, with a two-week-old and then I sat my HSC with um, two babies. And being mm-hmm. stubborn, I didn't want any um, leeway. So I said, I'm going to do this like everybody else or I'm not doing it. So, no, I don't want extra special cred. Um, I do remember taking an assessment task to school and the corner had been chewed off by my toddler and (laughs) (laughs) handing it in and saying, you'll have to just get those last couple words yourself because I'm not handwriting this. (laughs) Pre-computers, I was not handwriting an entire assessment task. But, But the lovely thing was at the end of that year, the shift I'd made in the school um, culture accidentally was was really interesting because the PNC actually awarded me with quite a few awards at our year 12 final um, assembly mm-hmm. and um, and that was good because I changed their perception of what a teen mum looks like to them. Yeah. This is what showing up does, it doesn't it? Like showing up, speaking out, telling your story, being there, it, it does make a diff- such a difference to yeah. other people. Yeah, not hiding because mm. if you think back on 
prior to that, when you were pregnant as a teen, you were hidden mm. and you weren't allowed to do all those things. And yeah, I love that you've changed that mentality of that community and the school and just even just that one person that said to you, now I did it or my friend did yeah. the same thing. Amazing. Absolutely. And it's just those little people that, you know, they that's teacher in that first school to change things for me to be able to attend mm-hmm. was massive because at the same time there was a girl my same age um, at a neighbouring school, it was a um, it was Catholic school, mm-hmm. and she was told to leave. Mm-hmm. So she couldn't stay and couldn't pursue. Interestingly to me, it was interesting that the boy wasn't asked to leave. Mm-hmm. It was only the girl that was asked to leave. Oh, it's, I just take that as a given. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and so yeah. and so that was really interesting for me to see as well that this, yeah. the difference in support and where it can lead you mm. is, is really is really important. So you know those couple of actions that women took, and then how not just changed for me, but then the ripple effect of what I did and other people saw that, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's it ripples out to people that that never, would never know about them yeah. and what they did. <laughs> Did you also get support from your mother, like speaking of women supporting women? Yeah, look, mum was mum was great. Dad, dad struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, you know, obviously you when you when you're that age, you kind of just tell your mum and say, Don't tell dad. Yeah. <laughs> As though he's not gonna notice. Um, and you know, <laughs> men struggle more with that, especially yeah. when it's little girls. Um, yeah. but yeah, look, my parents are beautiful people. Um, always supportive and very wise enough to know not to tell me what to do. <laughs> mm, yes. So yeah, look, they're they're great. Mum was a younger mum, not you know she was um, twenty, and yeah, and it and it, in a different era. You know, mm. if I had have had my child 10, 15 years earlier, you know, may not have been able to keep the baby. Yeah. You know, things have changed in such a short space of time in the history of women being able to um, be unwed or young and have their babies. So always grateful. Yeah, absolutely. Mum's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I've heard, this is is a tangent, so I apologise. I've heard plenty of parents back our parents' age that did give babies up for adoption and they're coming back. And even when they stayed together, like I've got a best friend that her parents had to give up a baby at 16. And they stayed together, had three more children, and then had this fourth child that they gave up for adoption that they reconnected with later. So, yeah, it was definitely a huge change in such a short amount of time. And then again, for you to change this system in your era, like you and I graduated high school in the same year. And, yeah, very relevant. (laughs) Yeah, and and interestingly too, just um, that perception of your you're a teen mom. I mean, I, I moved to a new town and definitely faced discrimination being a young mom because mm. I looked so much younger than I really was as well. So that was, so that was always um, a something else. I, I had been spat on as oh. a young mom. Okay. Some an older lady saw me walking. I'd take all the neighbourhood kids, me, all the kids to my house, and I'd have the stroller and walking. And um, yeah, and then. Yeah, this lady said, oh, you're taking all your brothers and sisters to the park. And I said, oh, no, these ones are mine. <laughs> and then, yeah, that was something that I, I would never have expected and um, it was unpleasant. But you think, you know, that's their, that's their bias, that's their mm. misconception. I don't think that, I think that as a mum, you're going to be a beautiful, loving, wonderful mum, whether you're 16 or you're 60. Yeah, there's there's no yeah, age is not the determining factor <laughs> if you're a nice person or not. <laughs> so that you know that's been kind of your younger journey. How how have these experiences influenced you moving through your life? Um, I think with everything that uh, that comes my way, it's I don't necessarily realise how big of a challenge it is until I'm at the other side. Mm. Definitely makes me. Oh, definitely non-judgmental. Definitely, I don't know somebody else's path and where they've been and how they've got to how they are. Um, and and so I guess like I would never judge a teen mum. Being there, done that, understand the experience. You're going to be a beautiful, loving mum if you're 16 or you're 60. That's got nothing to do with how you're going to be as a mum, your age. Um, and 
Yeah, I think I think I I reflect a lot on what I felt at that point in my life, and I use that feeling when I communicate with others or when I help support others. That you know, I do remember I you know my my daughter as a teenager, um, some challenges, and I definitely handled it differently to most parents. And um, for me, it was because I remember being 15. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I remember my brain and where I was at 15. I'm not going to, I did not do things how normal parents would do them. And it gave her a safe space to come to me. So, yeah, I think it changes how I relate with other people, 100%. Where, what's another defining moment of women supporting women in your life that has really helped you through a challenging moment? Yeah. So uh, my first husband was the father of my first three children mm-hmm. um, and it was um, a domestic violence relationship. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, you're in that situation back in, you know, I think it was 2000. So there were definitely not as much awareness and help around that either mm-hmm. in that point. Um, and I, yeah, came to an office somewhere and, and just burst into tears and this lady took me out the back and what's happening and I, I sort of just had this big purge and um, she sort of took me aside and said, let, let me help you um, and really helped me escape and hide with the kids. Okay. And, you know, it was slightly part of her job but she really went above and beyond to help me get out because when you're in that, um, you know, pre, what are we, pre-mobile phones, mm. <laughs> you, to, to get the strength to get to that point where you know that it's not right and you need to go, but then trying to have support around you. I didn't have a lot of family there. I didn't divulge any of this to my family of what was happening. They they kind of had a bit of an idea something wasn't right. Um, but to have somebody else just step in and say, just let me help you, how can, mm. I, how can I help you, was massive. And that support to go. Um, and I'm really big on, you know, I think there's so many people that come in and out of your life that are earth angels, you know, mm-hmm. they just pop in at the right time. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I, I remember seeing this lady that was a, had been a flatmate of my uncle's many years before. I hadn't told anybody I was leaving because I was in so much fear of the consequences if that was discovered. Mm-hmm. And she just walked past me in the street and said, hello, I haven't seen you for ages. What are you doing? And I said, just blurt out, I'm leaving him. And she was like, I will be there tomorrow. Wow. And she she was there and she, her and I were great friends, you know, for, for a long time after and and still keep in contact. Contact, she's moved away. But um, the difference she made in my life after that was unbelievable. Her showing me my value. She's a, she's a wild woman. <laughs> she's beautiful and she lives life big. But gee, she, the, just her being her showed me my value and what I was worth and how I could have and expect more. Mm. So sometimes it's not even, you know, there's the people there that go, let me help you. And there's the people that just their presence can change your whole self and how you view things. Yeah, how they show up and the energy that they bring. And yeah, absolutely. Those people are powerhouses. (laughs) Oh yeah. Just, she's just this, um, just this beautiful woman, and she'll probably never know, yeah. like how much that changed my life, and how that helped me. Um, the lady that helped me, that was sort of part of her job, it it really did save my life. I have no doubt whatsoever. That was a defining moment. She was the right person to be in that office on that day, and she could put me in contact with the people I needed, and to support and change the trajectory of my life. Absolutely. Mm. interesting yeah we all need we need to be that woman as well as we need women like that around us absolutely and in domestic violence you know I see things you know as you do on social media things different things come up and sometimes Mm. there's you know things recently with again you know people saying why doesn't she just leave and that for me you know when I I had Mm. a a warning day spa and I would have women come in and say that and in one breath I was like Mm. I'm so glad you can say that because that means you haven't been there and I'm really happy for you that you do not know the experience because we want more of that, mm-hmm. women not having this experience. Yeah. But at the same time, it was why do we why do we do that to women? Why do we say why doesn't she leave? 
Why is it her that has to take an action? Why isn't it, why doesn't he just stop? Mm-hmm. You know, if he's mm-hmm. not, you know, why doesn't he stop? It's not her action that's creating this. Mm. You know, so trying to reframe that and trying, I guess, to get women to be really understanding that, um, you know, there's everyone talks about fight and flight, yep. but there's fight, flight and freeze. Mm. You're frozen. There is no, there is no fight and flight. You can't even think about that. You are totally frozen in that. So having people just understand that it takes time and you have to be in exactly the right place to be able to get out successfully and not get taken back Mm. because it's the psychology. It's all the little tiny words that are said. It's all the different sorts of controllings. And and the last thing you want to do as a woman is be telling another woman in that situation exactly what they should do because they already have that. Yeah, you can offer them links to resources. You can offer them just be there for some support. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great number. Um, it's 1-800-RESPECT. It's a phone number women can ring if they're in a domestic violence um, situation. You can actually ring it as a friend of somebody who's okay. in a domestic violence relationship and ask for help as to what you do to support them. Mm-hmm. How can I support them? So, again, it's our knowledge it's our knowledge that's going to help someone else. So knowing the right things to say, how you can support them, because sometimes we're very well-meaning and, and sometimes it's though sometimes those words and actions are actually having a different effect to what we hope that we would have on others. So definitely get, you know, be educated and get in contact. Um, 1-800-RESPECT is also um, the website. And there's lots of apps and lots of references there to help um, support somebody who's going through that or if they're going through that themselves. Um, and thank goodness, you know, 23 years later, all these resources are there mm. and all this help and assistance is there. You know, there are financial assistance now to help. There's a lot more recognition that that after leaving a relationship like this, um, you know, there's PTSD mm-hmm. and that's getting more support. It used to be called battered wife syndrome, okay. which again is is language. So it's her. It's yeah. on her. Yeah. So that was definitely another significant thing in my life. How old were you? How old was your children when you left? Um, so my eldest would have been six, okay. seven. Yeah. And then the baby, he was maybe one, maybe not even one. Mm, okay. But yeah. That I'm curious to, yeah, I'm curious to know, like, was it? the whole time or did it eventually like did it build over time i think yeah. in in domestic violence relationships it's always there uh-huh. in the very beginning but it's tiny yeah okay isn't it it's like that tiny little isn't that sweet he's ringing me asking me where i am isn't that mm-hmm. lovely mm-hmm. isn't that nice that he's going to take care of that for me and he's put all those things in his name isn't that lovely you know the, it's the little tiny things that we don't see to begin with yeah and and that's yeah, and, and and it's it's hard because it's really easy to see from the outside. Yeah, you know, you can kind of you might have a friend that's mm-hmm. going through this, and you kind of you don't quite feel right. I did a lot of work after I left. I, I went to as much counselling, domestic violence, um, women's refuge meetings as I possibly could because I really, really wanted to understand exactly what had happened and exactly how I could avoid ever going back into a relationship like that again. Mm. I didn't want to repeat that and I didn't want my kids doing that. Mm. I didn't want my boys to grow up like that and I didn't want my daughter to ever ring me saying I'm in this situation. Mm. So it was the the understanding of a honeymoon period, it was the understanding of all the different layers of um, abuse because it's not just physical. It's And it's a form of people need to understand it's a form of conditioning and you know, what Julie's saying about those little pieces, you don't actually realise that your life is getting smaller and smaller, um, your times, of, you know, your where are you going, how long are you going to be. Um, the other thing that happens is that they will start to move your friends out of your circle because your friends are a threat and so that then then what happens is you say, oh, look, you know, I can't come to coffee or I, I can't do this or, I, you know, I, I'm not allowed to. 
So before you know it, your world is exactly where they want the world to be, completely controlled. And you can, you know, I want to just back up with Julie in saying, you know, it took me a lot of years, a lot of years to get out of there. Even in the beginning, I didn't even, I didn't even want to admit that it was domestic violence. But there are 16 forms of domestic violence. So just don't think, you don't need to be hit, okay? There's mental mm-hmm. There's emotional, there's all all these different tangents. And yes, yeah, support is great. But the other thing is, is that it it is a journey that you that you eventually think, God, this is not, this isn't right. And you know, if those right people come along, that's great. But not necessarily are those right people there. So those resources that you talk about are very valuable. And have patience with people because quite often you see that people return to the relationship. They'll go out of it and then they'll return to it. And it takes, sometimes it takes people four or five goes. Some people never, never come out of it again. So, yeah, patience and care and understanding. Um, You've got no idea of what goes on mentally behind the scenes. And if you're a mother, I'm not saying that, because I know that men get abused as well, you'll do anything for your children. You will put anything on the line you will you will suffer pretty much anything to keep your children safe Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah it it is it is definitely it's that moment you know you you get to that moment where you think this is not working I and for me it was do I want every single day for the rest of my life to look like this do I am am I happy with how I feel emotionally every day you know you're walking on eggshells you too scared to say or do the wrong thing and and it's you know they don't you know oh I didn't hit you no but you just picked me up and threw me into something you know or you barged me into something or you've taken this away and they they do like Donnelly said um you know they take away all potential support exits Mm-hmm. And that's really hard. Now now it's great because you've got the internet. You can find some stream to access. There's apps for um, if you're in a domestic violence situation that are really great safe ones to have. Um, there's also a lot more control. Mm. People can track you, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So um, I think as women who want to help other women change and have better lives, that's the biggest thing for us to know is how we can help them if that comes into our space. Yes. Um, it's just that being there and the non-judgment. If they go back, still be there because, like you said, Donnelly, it can take a couple goes because it's conditioning. Again, you you go and then you're sort of convinced and manipulated into thinking it wasn't so bad. Mm. Oh, it wasn't so bad. Well, maybe it was all in my head. Maybe, you know, my case of domestic violence wasn't as bad as somebody else's. That's another thing to be really careful of is you don't compare what happened in your situation to someone else's. It's two wrongs are still wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, my biggest thing was financial. How was I going to support myself? How was I going to get a rental property? I'd never had a rental property before. There are all those questions, you know, and and I mean, we're all life coaches here, so we all know this stuff. Um, They are all questions that you question yourself about and limit yourself on. So when you don't have options or you don't think you have options, you can't think wider or bigger. But, you know, there, there is a time I agree where I, I was like you, I went, this, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel normal. So that was when I secretively, I secretively went and sought help and did it secretively and eventually was able to get out. So, yeah. Inf- inf- and you were able to stay out, Donnelly. That's, that's mm. another key. If, if you're raised in a family that's experienced domestic violence, it is so many times harder for you to get out, number one, but to stay out. Yeah. It's so much harder. So I, I was blessed that my parents I was not raised in that. And hence that's why I could get out and stay out. Yeah. So I, you know, if if you've grown up in that and that is normal for you, that is where your comfort zone is because that feels like home. Yeah. Then yes, you go back to that. And if it's not with that partner, it might be another one. Yeah. So Again, education, just so you can start to see those things early Mm. and go, okay, this is not right. 
I, I recognize this. Sometimes when you, you're in one relationship and you go straight into another one, you think, oh, I feel so comfortable with them. That might be a warning sign. Yeah, you know, especially when you come out, it's like, okay, am I? And being honest with yourself about it because you do feel like you're not good enough. You do feel like who else would want me? I've been in this situation. Mm. And so building your own value yeah. and understand where you've come from, be gentle with yourself from that. But then give yourself some beautiful future thoughts too. Yeah. You know, like where, like how much more peace will I have in my life? How much, like where, I've, I've, you have no limits now. You know, the only thing that's going to limit you is you. So mm. what what do I feel like doing now in my future because yeah. I'm safe? Yeah. Okay, I want to ask a question. So so to, to expand this, so knowing all of that about you, what have been some of those pivotal changes that wanted you, how did you get out? What what are what are you going to recommend to people to try that have been some of the things that have helped to assist you to see yourself better, to have the life that you obviously have now? Mm-hmm. Um, I often reflect back of the challenges that I've had and how I was still okay after. That's a big thing. So I'm in a challenging situation. I might be in a challenging situation now. I've always come through okay. It's always been okay in the end because I've been able to make a change and I've been able to give myself a picture of how I would like life to look. So that's a big thing. Like I'm just as deserving. I used to have a saying a few years back that I can have anything I want. There is no difference whatsoever between me and Paris Hilton. We are both selves walking around. That's all we are bunch of cells walking around there is nothing that stops me from having that compared to somebody else that has that if that's what my heart desires if that's what I really want it's Mm -hmm. just you know I think I don't know somebody said to me once that's quite that's kind of like quantum physics I don't know enough about that to say whether Mm -hmm. it is but but there's there's no reason there's no reason I if I want that I can make that happen Mm -hmm. so that's um I'm big on goals and I think one of the things that um, Dolly and I were talking about the other day was be brave. Mm. You know, it's something I I never put as a tag on myself. I never, I never in a million years put brave and me together. Mm. Um, but my my beautiful husband I have, who's who's the light of my life, and um, you know, I was on my own for eight and a half years with three kids, and um, did so much work on myself because I want to make sure that any relationship I had in the future was nurturing and beautiful and aligned and so much about companionship. Mm. I need to be able to have discussions, intelligent discussions with the man that I'm going to be with because that is what makes me happy. Um, and so I had started my own business. I had three kids. So I was single. I bought my own home as a single mom, um, self-employed. Mm-hmm. and wanted to set that example to my kids that you don't have to have somebody else to achieve your dreams. Mm-hmm. Your dreams are really important and so you can choose to have somebody, absolutely, but that's a choice. It's not a have to in life. Mm-hmm. You can choose and that's really powerful because then you're not limiting yourself either. You're not thinking these are the only people in my space that I could that would want me. It's not about that. It's about you and what you want mm-hmm. and how that's really valuable to work on. So we we were married and um, I suggested to him that he start his own business. He was working for somebody else. And so I was a bookkeeper. So I had all that side of things covered. Yeah. <laughs> helped him with his AVN, helped him with the whole business name, the whole lot. And the day before he was going to resign, he freaked out. <laughs> and he said, I can't do it. I think I can do it. Like it's that insecurity of am I going to have a wage or not? Mm-hmm. And he said to me, I'm not brave like you. And this thing just happened. It was like this pivotal thing in my life. It just went, wait, what? Well, I'm brave. <laughs> Hang on <Yeah>. a second. <laughs> yeah. But I'm brave. Oh, my God. I'm. Oh, mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's big. You don't see yourself how other people see you. No, you don't. And that's so nice to have. And that's so nice to give a gift of that to somebody else too. Mm-hmm. You know, to observe that and tell somebody else, like, you know, you make me feel like this or, you know, what you do is so beautiful for someone else. Mm-hmm. It It's going to keep them on their trajectory and it's going to keep um, them there. And that for me was 
was huge because I had never thought of myself like that. And I just, I try to remember that throughout my weeks and mm-hmm. um, give somebody else that gift. Yeah. You know, like, oh, no. Did he, did he do the business? Yes. Ah, and he's still so doing he, it. He leaned, on, he leaned on your bravery. He borrowed he did, your yeah, bravery. He, look, <laughs> I said, I just said to him, I will look after everything. Don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. Cause I just, I, um, I reflect on that and thought, yeah, I guess I am because I just kind of started a business with three children on my own mm. and then went, I'm going to buy a house. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's see how we can make that work. As a single mom having a business for less than two years with three children, two of them teenagers, banks, there were a lot of banks that didn't want to give me a loan. Yeah. And um, I found one fellow who really went in and pushed for me and said she's in the business community, she's doing these things, she deserves a crack and I want you to give her a crack. Mm-hmm. And he went to meeting after meeting to do that for me. Amazing. And, and that was, yeah, again, somebody supporting you mm-hmm. to make a significant change so I could be a single mum and own a home and set that example for my sons and my daughter. Yes. So what business were you in at this point? So I was a bookkeeper. And working ridiculous hours, however, um, because it's small town and highly needed um, asset to businesses, mm-hmm. and it was it was great. But I said yes too often, uh-huh. and um, yeah. But but then looking, you know, always looking back, everything throughout my life has been something that has made my life bigger and better. Mm-hmm. So those skills I learned from that then took me into my next business. I thought I, I need to do something really for my um, creative side. So I retrained as a beauty therapist mm-hmm. and then opened my own salon and extended that into a healing center and day spa and um, and brought in lots of different people with different modalities because we didn't have access to a lot of those in our town. Mm. So instead of people having to go out of town, I brought those people in and, um and the beautiful thing about that is I bump into those people now and they just say it was the best place ever to work and, um, are you, you know, I really miss it. And I think that was beautiful. We could create a space that was at such a happy place for customers and, you know, the the, the consultants that came in. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, and I just, I just went, yeah, this is what I'm going to do now. Yeah. And just do it. <laughs> was the lack of not having that in your in your community why you wanted to go there? Like there's a there's a you know a big step, I think a, not a big step, a very different step for going from bookkeeping to sideways step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, well, it was more about what I wanted to do, to be really honest. It you was like it. I feel like I need some creativity <laughs> in my life and you know. Mm-hmm. Bookkeeping and creativity doesn't really, it's not quite the same thing. No, no, no. <laughs> and and I, had, I had done a lot of healing um, in my early 20s, so I was a Reiki master and wanted to do more of that work and wrap it around beauty. And so there was a lot of philosophy in the days bar about, you know, even if you came for brow wax, it was healing space. It was, again, couldn't say no often enough. And so moved through that phase. Um, but the skills I had from bookkeeping made me being able to do beauty and those sorts of things so much easier. Mm-hmm. It was, I had all that background knowledge already mm-hmm. as to how to financially make something work. Yes. And and then go into marketing and business things, which is a lot part of what I do now um, as a life coach but also as a business coach. Mm. So um, those skills that I picked up from bookkeeping and then running my own salon and marketing and the aspects of customer service and targets um, and target marketing and doing it a little bit differently, you know, more all about the the person um, and their experience in my business. Mm. And so even now, having gone through that and um, you, you know, we we were doing that for five or six years, husband working his own job, me working my own job, not seeing each other. So we were working, I was working 14-hour days, six days a week. He was working. So he was up and left before I got up. I'd get up, get the kids on the bus, and then straight into work. I would come up at night when everyone is in bed asleep and dinner was sitting on the bench, and that was six days a week. Yeah. Did you have more children? 
Yeah, we had a yeah, we've got a little boy together. So there's a big age gap. So we've got there's 18 years between the eldest and the youngest. So I kind of got the experience of being a very young mum, and then I got the experience of being a slightly older mum, which which is really interesting ways to look at how people speak to you differently, mm-hmm. how people of authority take your opinion on your children differently. It's really, I love, I really enjoy reflecting. Yeah, the contrast so much. Oh, yeah. And and I've got to say, oh, I had so much more energy when I was young. <laughs> yeah. So it's true then. That's true. Oh, patience. Oh, my goodness. Patience when you are 16. Patience to the end of the earth. No problem. Um, yeah, get to, what was I, 32, 33 and I was like, heck no, you're going to learn how to sit down there and enjoy self-play because <laughs> mum has got to clean this house. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Whereas I feel more patient as a an older like person than I was when I was younger, for sure. Like I think my third child has a more patient mum than my first child. Mind you, they're completely different children as well. Well, your story, yeah, sounds, just listening to you, it sounds so similar. We've got, there's different differences, but so similar in my journey as well, business journeys, that is. And I think it just, it is like I look back on my business journey and I was all about women supporting women too. Like we had, I started with a a beautiful fabric shop called The Fabric Closet and I used to have women and children in there doing sewing classes and unbeknownst to me at the time, but now when I reflect back, that was just like a big women's gathering to support each other and to, you know, connect and build relationships. And people loved it. I loved it. And yeah, they're moving into that. And I've also done bookkeeping. So I've done bookkeeping. I've done the fabric closet, had the gift shop. Now I'm a life coach and sort of all roads lead to life coaching, <laughs> lead to life coaching. Well, well, so funny. I'm, always not milking cow, I'm not milking my own cows. No. <laughs> What were you saying, Tan? Prue is not milking her own cows. No, no, no. <laughs> now, what yeah. about what about you, Tan? I want I want a bit of input from you on you know this conversation with Julie. To, a little bit about yourself as well. Oh, do you just? Yeah, <laughs> I'm quite quite happy here listening to Julie's story. I know, <laughs> but it's good it's good for our audience for all of us to be you know connecting to what she's talking about. And um, and I think it's great feedback, you know, that we have those pieces that re- are relatable to Julie's story. And I'm sure many people that are listening to this relatable to their life as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, you've put me on the spot now, so I'm I'm, I'm stuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the thing uh, is, I guess it's so much more common, unfortunately, than what we think. Most of us will know somebody that's been in that sort of situation mm. when it comes to things like ch- those sorts of challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what, you know what um, you said earlier that really struck me was you can't define it. Like when we're talking about domestic violence, here, like you can't define it. It's how you feel. If you, and your, your question to yourself was so powerful and what everybody who's has a, has a thought like that they're not feeling right to ask themselves that same question that do I want to live like this forever? Do I want every day in my life to be like this? And and when you said that, it's like, oh, of course, like it doesn't matter how anybody else feels, how people feel differently because everyone does feel differently in these circumstances. It's how you feel and how you want to live and bringing it back to that choice again, like we get to choose that. And it's okay if you don't want to live like that. Yeah, life life might look great from the outside, but if you feel trapped, if you feel you know oppressed or how, however it is, that's that's okay. You like you're allowed to move away from that. You're allowed to say, you know what, this isn't for me, and yeah, then seek out the help. And hopefully, there's an amazing woman like that woman in that office for you for somebody else. I also think putting. Like I, I can often think like when you're in a situation and you're not really sure and you're confusing yourself, like you know, like you're mm-hmm. saying, it's not always bad. So you've got those patterns, you've got those patterns where it's bad and then and then it's really good and you're like, oh, well, maybe I'm just crazy um, yeah. and it's not as bad as I thought it was. And then I, I kind of feel like 
if you put your put your daughter in that situation, put your sister in that situation, would you want this for them? And that seems to really make things very clear <laughs> in your it mind. Does. Yeah. And you want to be the example. That was my one of my big things for my daughter when I was thinking when I was going, I'm gonna go, was if I if she comes to me like this and I haven't left, how can I tell her to leave? Exactly. What what example have I set for her as to what isn't okay is and is not okay in how she is treated in life? Mm-hmm. So my big thing was I can't leave, I can't, I can't tell her to leave if I haven't left. If mm-hmm. she comes to me in that time when she needs help and I haven't done that, how can I tell her to? Yesterday yeah. when I was talking to you, we were, you know, having a pre-chat, I wrote something down which I'd like you to elaborate on and the quote was, devalue the right to choose. Yes. So this is this is a massive thing that um, I feel quite strongly about is that as women our right to choose how we want our life is very devalued mm-hmm. and it's based around what everybody else wants. You know, we went through a period of time where, you know, um, I would probably, as I get older, I'm more and more feminist than what Me I too. used to be. Me too. Um, yeah. I, I mean, even Donna and I, Donna Lee and I were talking yesterday and I said, you know, it's it's a great reflection what's just been happening in soccer and my thought that the universe didn't let the Matildas win because this situation for women everywhere would not have presented, mm-hmm. you know. So yep. the gift that the world got was this being presented and the support so many other women have given the women involved in that situation. There's also the other side where they're seeing posts from women saying it's no big deal. yeah, And that concerns me as to what influence they've had in their life that, makes them think that it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I guess then that that was bringing you back to the whole feminist thing was that, you know, we went through this period of time where we, we got rights, which was brilliant, but did we have the right to choose mm. really? Yeah, but those rights were fought for. Yeah. Yes. They just didn't happen. They, That's right. I, I can remember the strike, I can't remember what year it was, where the factory burnt down in America or whatever it was. And the women went out on out on strike. They're all in those long skirts, white shirts, big hats, and they just went because all these women died and it was all about, you know, no union, no support, no exits, whatever. And it wasn't until that they banded together. You know, it's it's never come without a hardship and it really shouldn't be like that. It's never one woman. No. no. One woman doesn't change that. No. It's one woman and then all the other women who support her. Yes. And even if you think you don't have a voice big enough or you think that you can't change something, support somebody who you feel that can. Mm-hmm. And that little bit, that that sending them a message or supporting in any way, shape or form that you can, somebody who's who's going to put themselves out there and and create that ripple or create that attention to that situation Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's even funny, like uh, my youngest is 12 and he's, he's an amazing kid. I'm very proud of him. And then, and then I've got, um, gosh, what's he now? 23 year old is the next one up. Mm-hmm. And the things that they say in response to what women do is beautiful. Like we we're having a conversation the other day about, you know, um, one of Sonny's favorites, that's my 12 year old, his favorite, um, eco heroes is Vandana Shiva. And someone said, oh, she's an aggressive woman. And I said, hmm, aggressive or assertive? Yeah. <laughs> and Sonny looked at me and goes, oh, yeah, assertive. And I said, because here's the other question, Donald Trump, is he aggressive or assertive? Mm. Mm. How do we see people based on gender. our voices or mm. gender or, mm-hmm. you know, those sorts of things? So, so that change in our thought, why do I think that about them? What is it that I've had in my life happen that I'm making a judgment on somebody else's strength. You know, tall poppy syndrome is always a big thing and that is even part of an abusive thing to keep people lower. It's, mm-hmm. it's what happens in bullying. It's all those sorts of things about control, keep people lower. If we can help support each other, how much more beautiful can everybody else rise? Yeah. You know, if one person's, you know, you know tracking, blazing the trail, 
the rest of us, it's so much easier and we can help push each other more forward. But if we keep holding each other back, yes, you know, you can't yeah. you, you really limit your choices. So the devaluing, like I was saying to Dolly, I've chosen now that I um, I run a lot of businesses still, um, but I'm at home and I get to homeschool my son. Family and freedom is really important to me. And so how I live now on the farm self-sufficiently, mm-hmm. I work from home. Um, I help a lot of people from the space that makes my heart sing. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to get up and heal the land and heal animals and help people. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. And I and I I have a balance there because to do that, I'm not making a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. But my choice is um it's that's how I want to live my life. And it's mm-hmm. it is actually doable. Like, you know, we're kind of kept in this thing of, okay, you know, you're a woman and now you have to go and have a career. Because if you don't, well, you're not contributing to society. Yeah. Oh, you stay home and look after your children. Oh, you don't have a job. Oh, <laughs> or, or you're at work. Oh, what, you don't stay home and look after your children? Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of this whole thing that's being created that <laughs> you, either way, you're kind of not going to win. Mm-hmm. So if you go with where your heart is and go, well, this is what I want to do because this is actually my life and yeah. I don't need the new car and I don't need the new, it's your priority. Yes. And so I went from the big successful business with the sports car and the multiple investment properties and et cetera and just went, this is not this is not how we're meant to live. Um, mm-hmm. My father-in-law was diagnosed with um, asbestosis mm-hmm. and came to live with us for his end of life last six months and mm-hmm. My six-year-old gave up his bedroom and slept on the lounge for six months, like when he was six, saying, Poppy, to be comfortable. I had my next half was sitting in his HSC with an oxygen tank banging in the background um, all night. And I worked more hours so Hubby could have as much of those moments with his dad, who was his best mate, Mm -hmm. as he could. And you'd come up from work in the evening and there'd be, you know, strangers in your home. There'd be carers. There'd be all sorts of different people. And... um, I just remember this, when, you, when you've got somebody in their last stages of life in your home and you're caring for them, the big questions come up like, okay, so what's really actually important here? Because mm-hmm. I am the people I want to be around the most is my family and I see you one day a week. <laughs> and, yep. and why? And then you book a holiday. You work in a job 48 weeks a year where you're busting for those four weeks to go on holiday. And you get in your car or on a plane and you get as far away from that home that you work all week for to pay for as you possibly can and maybe you need a bigger break so you put your kids in with a babysitter or, you know, holiday camp, whatever it is. And so I was thinking this is bizarre that we do this. Like why as society have we got to a point where it's having things that are really important and Mm -hmm. society's pressure on us to think that's what success is, is things over family so I, I remember coming up from work one night and saying to my husband okay so I've got this idea he now knows that's a warning sign by the way <laughs> <laughs> he braces now he's, he's sort of whole, his whole body goes okay mm. what are we doing now yeah um and I said to him you know I just this is not how I want to like I want to be with you guys mm. you know this is not how I want to live life even though you know my work was beautiful um I just said look I just want to sell everything buy a farm, become self-sufficient, never work again. And God bless him, never took a breath, just went, yep. Uh, And so that was it. Next day we're farm searching. (laughs) We're just going, what's really important? So we we do that in pretty much every decision we make now. Mm -hmm. Is this going to bring us closer to or further away from our ultimate life goal, which is Mm -hmm. our happiness and joy and being here for our family and others? Like we're giving back to the earth, but... You know, when you're gone, you're gone and the car doesn't matter and the house doesn't matter and the holidays don't matter. None of that matters. And you go through different challenges and why? Like, you know, there's a a reason that you've overcome those and to get somewhere where you create something beautiful that fills your heart every day. So I'm so incredibly blessed. The You know, the cows don't care what I look like at 6 a.m. They couldn't care less. No. Exactly. As long as I've got a bucket of feed, they're fine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the community I have around me now is so nurturing and nourishing. There's so Mm -hmm. many people who want to move into this space now. Mm -hmm. And I'm lucky enough that I can help mentor those people or 
show them and share the skills we've learned because I've had to go right back to I do some crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I go right back. I've even made sugar from sugar cane by hand, you know, like <laughs> things that people used to do that was so valuable mm-hmm. that people shared out of love mm-hmm. that don't happen anymore. Yeah. You know, the food we put inside our body now, we trust that to somebody else that we've never met. Yeah. You know, so we get to do that now, which is beautiful. Mm. Okay. I want to I want to bring this in because not everyone listening to this podcast is want to go wants to become a self-sufficient person. And I'm not critiquing that. But what I'm looking at it as your message, the message I take from what you're speaking is listen to what makes your heart sing. Mm. So how does everyone else feel about that? You know, it doesn't matter, um, you know, whether you do want to have all that stuff, whatever, is the message I feel here is that you have, you have the capacity to be limitless in your thinking, um, limitless in your choices. To think that you have no choice is absolute bullshit. So if you've got that idea in your head right now, you're, your head's up your ass pretty much because you actually do have choice. And I think that's where we want to, you know, round this up. True? I want to see what the other girls yes, have to say. Absolutely, yeah. Do what you makes your heart sing for sure. And it looks different for everybody. Yeah, there's no judgment of what that looks like. But, yeah, okay. I, love, I love that question. Is this going to bring me closer to what I want my life to be, like what I'm seeking in my life and whatever that is? <laughs> That's a great question to ask yourself whenever you're saying yes to something. You you know, you've said a lot that you've said yes to lots of things which have, you know, led you to where you are are now and now it's time to be selective with what you say yes to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think I think as human beings we've actually forgotten that we that we are in charge of our life and that we can make choices. Mm-hmm. And you know, knowing how we we live within these societal things and thoughts and beliefs, there is more space for that individuality. And I think the more that you live your heart's song, the more you'll attract more of those people towards you Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Also to to respect that that's, that's the same for everybody. Yeah. And that you're, that to help, to be able to help and support others in their own journey on their own terms. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I've developed like a worksheet actually because I do have, and it's, it's an overhang thing of, you know, I've got shiny thing syndrome. <laughs> so I see things something go, oh, that would be awesome to do. <laughs> I have to realize I don't have to be the one to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have this great checklist now where I ask myself, I I will say to people, that sounds awesome. Can I get back to you? Mm -hmm. That's my big thing that I say now when someone goes, oh, do you want to do this? That sounds awesome. But can I get back to you? And then I take that night to go through a sheet that I've done that talks about, is this going to enrich me? Is the time that I give to this going to actually take away from something else that enriches me? Mm -hmm. And how am I feeling now about saying yes or no to that. Mm. And then I'm really strict my, myself, giving myself that that is where my answer is going to come from. Yeah. It might be a fantastic thing that's happening and it might be really exciting, but if it's going to cause disruption to my happiness somewhere else, then it needs to be a no and I need to gift the no of that to go to someone else who's going to say yes and that is their gift of that experience. Yeah. So it's not just that I say no, I'm mm-hmm. gifting that opportunity to somebody else. Mm, I like it. I like that mentality. Like I have a a bright, shiny objects list on my Trello board because I'm always, yeah, people are talking to me about stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, that's a great idea. Or I think of something and it's a great idea and I always just, I don't ever, you know, shoot straight away. I just, I used to. Now I just put it on this list and I sort of do a bit of reflection like you, not so strategic, not such a, you know, I haven't got a worksheet, but that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, really, really important. So tell us, Julie, how can people, well, tell us what you do now. You said you mentor people. How can people get in contact with you? And, yeah, where to from here? Yep, great. So, yeah, I do um, life coaching. Mm-hmm. and business coaching um 
So see that as a big need, especially for women, mm. to those mm-hmm. those steps to go through. Um, so I do those. I take very few clients because I can choose to do that, which mm-hmm. is lovely. Um, and yeah, certainly mentoring as well in that capacity as a follow-on from life coaching. So my website is juliehumphreyslifecoaching.com.au mm-hmm. um, and you can contact me the same way with, through email, just juliehumphreyslifecoaching at gmail.com at any stage. Um, yeah, so check out the website and, yeah, please get in contact with any questions. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, what it is, happy to respond and take the time. So that's sort of where I sit at the moment and and all the farming which is mm-hmm. just and where where is your closest town like where are you close to um Maxville is our closest town oh, we're Maxville. near we are near you and guys so that's okay. sort of halfway between Coffs Harbour and Port Macquarie on the New South Wales yeah not a bad place. spot of the world oh it's gorgeous so lucky <laughs> so yeah. lucky yeah beautiful absolutely. what a great conversation it's been great mm. thank you thank you so much Julie no, thank you, ladies, for asking me. It was such a privilege to be here and to share that. And I just really hope somebody who's listening, yes, that this is speaking to them. Mm-hmm. And just as a recap, remember, if you are in any sort of situation that you don't feel right in, there's that one eight hundred respect number that you can always reach out to. And yeah, you or your you, if it's you or for for a friend, so that's always helpful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And Julie's links will be in this um, conversation podcast and on the Facebook page. It will. All in the show notes. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, ladies. Thank you so much for being part of this Soul Sister conversation. It would mean the world to us if you like and share this podcast with your own Soul Sisters. Follow the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you are so inspired, leave a review. All suggestions and questions are welcome and you can drop them in the Facebook group. Thank you, beautiful souls.